This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and today we have a very special show for you because it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day, and we are going to be going through the Top 10 Dads in Movies and Television. But before I go any further, i got to introduce my co-host for this show, Brittany Welcome, Brittany, and how are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. I got up and around early, ready to do Father's Day activities and all that good stuff. Absolutely. What do you you have uh, planned for your dad for Father's Day? I was going to say, like, I got his Father's Day gift, but... It's still like where the plans are still up in the air because every time I'm like, yeah, what are we doing for Father's Day? Because he said he wanted to do something as a family. And he's like, oh, I haven't decided yet. And I'm like, Dad, it's Father's Day. We've got to figure out something. <laughs> but good job, Dad. Good job. Um, well, I'm going over to my grandparents today, and we're all going to be there. So it should be a fun time. But I'm really excited for this um, this show now that I'm doing it, I think back and I'm like, shoot, I should have done something for Mother's Day. So sorry, moms out there. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, shoot. Uh, but I'm sure that we have a great list for today. It's just you and I. So we're going to go through a lot of, um, you know, the best dads and dad figures. I didn't say that in the title, but I said it in the description um, because there's a lot of times in movies and television shows that we have these uh, relationships between someone who is a father figure and a younger person, and it's just almost as if and almost more endearing uh, than anything else when it's like in that father figure realm. So that's what we're going to be doing today, and I figure, you know, it's the morning, it's Father's Day, let's just go right into it. And Brittany, as always, I'm going to give you the number 10 spot now. That's why I'm, like, sitting there because I'm like, oh, I have my list. But, you know, like, you're like, where do I want to put all of these? You know what I mean? Which ones do I love the most? So I think first I'm going to do Hal Wilkerson from Malcolm in the Middle. Because I think I've talked to you about how much I love Malcolm in the Middle, which I haven't got to watch it a long time. But Hal was the dad that's played by Brian Cringston. And he's just so goofable and fun-loving. And a lot of the things you can be like, man, he's a bad dad, you know? You're like, oh, he's just, like, goofy, and he doesn't know any better. But he has so many good lines for teaching his kids. He has, like, three sons and, you know, trying to wrangle them in. But there's, like, one part even where, like, his wife is talking, and it's something I can't remember what the whole, like, lead-up was. She's like, but that can't be possible because if that happens, that means, you know, you love me more than I love you. And he goes, well, of course I do. He goes, and I'm fine with that because, you know, if we both loved each other the most, he goes, it was something It was something really sweet. But it's like, even though, like, growing up, like, you see these two parents and, 
But when you're a kid, you're like, man, those parents are crazy, you know? But then when you grow up, you, like, start to relate so much with them, especially when somebody becomes a parent and they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly the craziness of trying to raise three sons. But, you know, he always comes through. He's always hardworking. And I always loved watching him growing up because he was one of my favorite characters because I was like, okay, he's not the smartest dad, but he's, like, the best dad. He always comes through. So I don't know if you've ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, though. I might be one of the few people out there that hasn't watched Malcolm in the Middle, um, but it was funny because yesterday I was at the beach with my mom and my aunt, and my aunt was saying, uh, oh, can you believe that the guy who was in Breaking Bad and um, his, you know, uh, Sneaky Pete is the same guy who was in Malcolm in the Middle? So to me, I've only had experience with Brian Cranston in as Walter White um, and as Vince from Sneaky Pete. So to me, he's always played these kind of like bad characters, you know. So for him to essentially be uh, referenced almost as like America's dad, I have no experience with that. But I do know that Malcolm Middle was very popular. So I, I think that this is a great way to start the list. And his name is Hal, right? How like H A L? How okay, yeah, um, that is awesome, and I know that there's been plenty of memes. I've seen it referenced on my Family Guy and everything. And listen, I don't have any kids, but I am sure that raising three sons is no walk in the park. <laughs> I, I always loved like one of the like famous things, like the mom had such a temper. And that was another thing with growing up. You're like, man, the mom's such a jerk. And then you realize she's horribly stressed out because they're poor. They have three sons that are constantly causing chaos. Oh, and then they end up having a fourth son by the end of it, like a, a toddler. And you just realize she's so stressed out. But, like, the father is always like, we hide this from your mother because even he, too, fears the mother. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely have to maybe check it out sometime because Brian Cranston is a very talented actor and he just excels in anything that he's in. But um, yeah, so Hal from Mouth in the Middle as your number 10. Excellent choice, Brittany. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of add about him before we jump into the number nine plot? All I can think about is just, like, growing up watching him and thinking, man, that's one of my favorite characters. It's because even he just didn't take himself too seriously. Like, he's just, like, such a silly goofball character. Well, you know, on a lot of shows where the the dad is like, you know, the hard ass, you know, the super authoritative figure. And even though that he could be that with his kids, he was always like the fun one, the one that's like always going to make sure everything's okay. You know, there's only so, so much he could beat his children. Oh, and also I'm going to apologize. If you hear a loud yowling, one of the cats is just feeling very frisky this morning and making the zoomies <laughs> around the house, just screaming. I'm like, can you please not? Well, I was, um, I don't know if you saw your phone, Brittany, but I was like, you can't hear any background music right now, right? Because I got Paulie in the other room, you know, blasting his beats right now. So I'm like, can you hear that? <laughs> He's trying to <laughs> learn a career. 
<laughs> but we're good, right? We're good. Yeah, we're good. I hear nothing. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Who doesn't want a little bit of ambiance music, uh, you know, for our top ten, right? Maybe we'll Take your maybe OPS we'll at some point. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, listen, uh, Paulie made the introduction for this top ten, so there you go. But oh. let's. And let's move on to the number nine slot. Now, I'm going to utilize that father figure um, aspect that we have to this. And it could be kind of a stretch, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. And, Brittany, you're going to know exactly what I am talking about. I am putting the hound from Game of Thrones. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, Let's be honest, Arya Stark was his little murder baby. That was his. <laughs> you, always to, you always have to reference her as a murder baby. Um, but she, that was definitely his child, okay? He practically uh, taught her a lot of crap. I mean, she's had a lot of um, mentors, I feel like, throughout the series, and obviously you can't take away the fact that she absolutely loved her father, Ned Stark, but she was on a journey with a, with the Hound for two seasons, and as much as it seems like the two wanted to kill each other at some point, if you watch, I mean, he fed her. He did want to get her to the Red Wedding to be reunited with uh, his mother, with her mother and brother, all that, um, you know, obviously wanting to get paid, but still. And certainly did what he could to kind of protect her because even when they get to the Red Wedding and she's wanting to uh, kind of obviously be with her family because she sees the slaughtering that's going on, he knocks her out so that he can take her away because it's not safe for her there. And there's nothing for her there. Obviously, everyone is dead at that point. And even though you can probably argue that he was just trying to maybe capitalize on his meal ticket when Brienne tried to take Arya away, he still couldn't necessarily take her for her word because, as he pointed out, she had Lannister gold on. And if she was saying that she was there to protect uh, Catelyn Stark, well, she didn't do a, you know, she didn't accomplish that goal. So the Hound was very wary of letting Brienne just take Arya away with her. So then he fought uh, Brienne and almost nearly died. And in the eighth season of Game of Thrones, when Arya says to the Hound, have you ever fought for anyone in your life? He goes, I fought for you. And he did. He fought for her and nearly died um, against Brienne. You're giving me all the kills. (laughs) And obviously I have to talk about that final scene between the two when they go to uh, King's Landing and they're in search of Cersei because Arya says that she's going to kill Cersei and suddenly as everything is crumbling around them, the Hound stops Arya and he says, you don't want to go up there. You don't want your life to be filled with just revenge because then you'll end up just like me and you don't want to do that. You stay here, you're going to die. And you need to leave. And that final one, she says, Sandor, thank you. And I was just like, 
I love this so much. That was definitely, like, probably one of the best moments from the season, which, you know, we can admit wasn't a great season, but if you needed to pick out little moments that stood out, that was certainly it. So number nine is the town and his relationship with Arya that made him a fantastic, uh, quote-unquote, father figure to her. So, uh, as you said, Brittany, it gave you all the feels. So why don't you just kind of express those feels right now? Oh, I'm going to give you all the feels, girl. No, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I loved it because especially when you're like murder, baby, because you can even argue like, oh, it's the Red Wedding. And if he just went on a meal ticket, he could have sold her to anybody. And I know it's like you could go argue that like, oh, he betrayed the crown and stuff, but you know, uh, Joffrey was long dead by that point. I'm pretty sure somebody would have taken him back. And two, he could have sold it to the people work, uh, sold her to the people working for, you know, what they thought was the Lannisters because, you know, he was because he's like, oh, yeah, I can't remember what the guy says, but basically where you think like that Jamie did it. But um, I was going to say two, but the precious murder baby. I mean, he did knock her around a couple of times, but even like that one guy, whenever uh, she's trying to get Needle back, and he's like, oh, you know, basically wanting a turn with Arya, that guy. And the hound just like, he could have easily been like, yeah, I don't give a crap about her, you know, because he's always like talking about like, oh, I should have raped your sister and all that, even though you know he wouldn't. It's like, there's a certain aspect to him where he's like no this is mine I've taken care of this it's kind of like uh somebody once told me like oh, oh like a documentary said that mother animals don't normally just like love their children it's just that they spent so much time and effort to keep it alive that they and they expended so many resources to do that that I feel like that's the hound he's like do you know how much I've done to keep this creature alive can you just not <laughs> Can you just stay away from it? I've, like, literally been so stressed out. But, yes, I love Murder Baby. And I love the ending where he's, like, she calls him Sandor. It's always the hound, the hound, the hound. And how they accidentally meet up at the same time to leave and do the exact same. Because you think about it, the hound has such an influence on her to the point where she's like, I just want to wander. I don't want to be a lady. And I know you could say that, you know, she may have decided that beforehand, but she spent, like, most of her time with the Hound. And I know she had it with, like, the faceless men, but the Hound really probably had the biggest influence on her, especially about, like, tough life lessons, like, stealing from that people that that, uh, father-daughter, where he's like, well, they're going to die. And then even when the Hound's dying, she takes his silver. Well, you the hound taught her where the heart is. And if you think about it, that's where she stabbed the Night King. So obviously his little little lesson there had a great effect. And Arya obviously saved the world at that point. Um, But, you know, they... The Hound is one of those characters that he was all disgruntled and liked to act that he was so big, bad, and tough. And yes, he was, but you could tell that he was, like, developing a soft spot for Arya. And 
even Sansa, because yes, he said that to Arya where he said that he should have done this and that to her, but he was only doing that. And I guess I should say for context for anyone out there who doesn't watch Game of Thrones and they're like, oh, that's terrible. He was dying at this point and begging Arya to kill him and she wasn't. So you know that he was just figuring, let me just say some really awful shit, like say about her friend and her sister so that she can kill me. But the Hound saved uh, Sansa from being raped and even offered to get Sansa out of King's Landing during the, you know, Battle of Blackwater because he knew that all Sansa was being, was, you know, all that was happening to Sansa was that she was being tortured by Joffrey. So he offered that. So, like, the Hound has this little soft, tiny spot in his heart, apparently, for the Stark sisters. So I had to put the Hound down here, um, and I knew that it was probably a little bit of a stretch, but I consider him a great father figure for Arya. I was going to say, it's not a stretch, because once you hear some of the things I'm going to say through this, you're going to be like, yeah, the Hound made perfect sense. Well, that's perfect, and you know what? I think we should just kind of hop right along, and I'm going to give you the number eight spot. Oh, no, that's scary. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, first off, I think I want to go with, and you may laugh at this, but Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because he's the best. Because he's not the worst. But he, uh. Because, oh, especially, like, his relationship with April throughout it, where it's like, he's such this gruff figure, you know, he, what does he say? He's a, uh, oh, he's he's not a liberal, but he's not a conservative. He's something else, like, that's, like, in the middle, but he doesn't want government, and he's just, like, such a like gruff you know he's uh he's like oh i think you misunderstood me when i said i wanted all the bacon i really want like all the bacon you know he's just like with all the characters he does take on the father figure role like even whenever he ends up marrying that one woman and having like you know she already had two daughters and he's like very like loving and wants to take care of them he you know he instantly tries to be a good father he, uh, even when he has his own son, all he wants to do is just, like, teach him the ways of the world and, like, want to be a good dad. And, like, I do think I go back to April so much because you know she loved him so much. And even at, like, spoiler for nobody that's finished Parks and Rec, his breaking point for whenever he quit was because uh, when, uh, uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember the main girl's name right now. Oh, what's her name? Leslie. Leslie Newt. Leslie. Yes, Leslie. Like, you know, when she was asking everybody to work with her, and he said that his breaking point was when April left. And even though it was good for her, he just couldn't stand being there with nobody new. And it's like he could handle it all, but he couldn't handle it when April left. Oh, no. He's just like, he's like the stereotypical, like, dad. Like, uh, he's the meat eater. He's the, uh... He's a daddy to whoever, you know, he's always taking care of everybody. He's always giving life lessons. Even, um, what's his name, Tim? Tom, Tom. I can't remember their names because it's been so long. But, you know, like when Tom's wanting to do his, uh, like his, uh, he's always doing the startup businesses, but ends up like, you know, uh, 
Ron Swanson ends up investing because he believes in him, even if Tom doesn't believe in himself. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. It's so good to you. There's a moment that stands out where there is an episode with um, these Girl Scouts, right? Not these girls. No, actually, the one that I was thinking about was when the kids went to City Hall as, like, a career day. And he teaches this little girl about how, like, taxes work because she gets, uh, she takes out a sandwich and he goes to oh take a God. bite of the sandwich. And she's like, but that's my sandwich. And he's like, well, that's how it works. And so he was always, oh. like, looking to give these, like, little life lessons to all, like, the youngins around him. Mm-hmm. And you're right. He's one of those, like, he's probably, like, the typical, like, red-blooded American pretty much. And you think he's going to be one way, but he's, like, completely not, like, at all. He, you know, as you said, he's, uh, he stands up for, like, the women in his, in his uh, employ, right? And he believes, obviously, in Tom, and he invests in him and, you know, his relationship with April. And he's just, like, the disgruntled dad. And I do love that the woman he ends up marrying, who he loves, is a mother, and he just takes on those responsibilities virtually with no question at all. And he's just, like, this great character because, again, you think he's going to be one way because you've seen so many guys out there who are one way when you see a person like Ron Swanson. But he's completely not. You know, he's just, like, this great character and one of the best in-person recreation. Yes, I absolutely adore that freaking scene when they go to the diner and he's like, I will have all the eggs and bacon. He goes, wait, wait, come back here. I feel like you didn't understand what you heard was I just want a lot of eggs and bacon, but what I'm saying is all the eggs and bacon that no, you have. But... I think I there was like... one really quick. I think there was one where the guy's like, you know, that's like a family like platter or something. And he's like, I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> oh my god! I, I was gonna say, uh, going back to the little girl. That's like, uh, you know, he teaches how government works. That keep in mind, he sends her home, like, with a deactivated landmine or something like that. And, like, her mom gets upset. But then, too, whenever he teaches her about government so she can write her paper about how does government work, I think she writes, it doesn't. And that's all she writes on it after everything. And I'm like, gosh darn it, Ron Swanson. But you know that he was so proud about that. You know yeah, that I know he, he was, was so proud. <laughs> you like the thing about Ron Swanson was that he was working in government, and you couldn't find someone who disliked the government more than him. Like he was just there, pretty much just to like teach the ways of how terrible it was. And I just thought that was amazing because I. I'm pretty sure then there was, like, that episode where, like, the Girl Scout troops, and he was, like, teaching them how to fish and shit. It's, like, he was one of those people that probably was, like, go away, children, but the children just, like, gravitated towards him because that was just, like, the type of guy that he was. And he was, like, the Grinch. His heart grew ten times that day. (laughs) I love Ron Swanson. Like, Parks and Recreation, like, you know that I love The Office, but I'm, like, in a way, I feel like, and this may be a little controversial, but I think that uh, Parks and Rec is superior to The Office. They're 
I said it. <laughs> Girl, I feel it. I agree. I agree. But mostly because Parks and Rec is one I've actually watched, like, all the way through. That's why, like, sometimes when I'm talking and do podcasts, I get so flustered because I'm like, suddenly I can't remember the names, and suddenly I'm doing this, and there are people going to be like, she's not a true fan. I'm like, no, I just, like, got put on the spot, and I can't remember. Don't hate me. And also, we do these top tens early in the morning. It's maybe 10.30 for me, but it's about 9.30 for you. And we know that Brittany sleeps usually until about 1 o'clock into the afternoon. <laughs> why you got to put me on blast like that? Oh, I do the same thing to Jawan. I'm like, that man sleeps till about, like, noon usually. That's why I never hop on these top tens. But it's it's all good. I just, you know, we joke, we joke, we joke. But, um, yes, Ron Swanson. Fantastic choice for number eight. I'm going to scoot into the number seven slot. And now, Brittany, I know that you haven't watched this, but um, I'm going to talk about the show Hannah on Amazon Prime and Joel Kinnaman's character, uh, who plays Eric. Now, when you first meet them, he is taking care of his daughter, Hannah. Um, and throughout the, and again, spoiler alert, throughout the season, you find out that Eric is not Hannah's biological father. He, um, met Hannah's mother when she was pregnant because he was part of this, uh, government operation that pretty much, um, whatchamacallit, it, targeted, uh, pregnant women who didn't want their children because he, uh, pretty much found her outside of an abortion clinic, right? And he pretty much convinced her, like, hey, instead of doing that, give your kid to us um, so that they could essentially, like, raise, like, you know, assassins and shit like that. But um, throughout knowing the mother, they fell in love, and then the mother obviously saw that she didn't want to give her child away, so he essentially helped her get the child out of that situation, and then at that point, the government program uh, was killing the children because they decided to uh, discontinue the operation, right? So he got Hannah, the child, out, and the mother died in the process. So he pretty much, for the next, like, 15 years, raised Hannah as his own, protecting her, training her, preparing her for the day that she would eventually have to uh, defend her life, and he loved her. He did everything for Hannah um, to the point where Hannah does eventually find out that Eric is not her biological father, and Eric gives her the opportunity to live with her biological father. He finds him, and he says, like, this is your daughter. You know, you need to take care of her, and he drops her off there, but Hannah decides that she wants to stay with Eric because that's the father that she knows. That's the person who Aww. raised her, who loved her, who, you know, took care of her all these years. So she goes off with him. So it's just one of those things where it's like Eric didn't need to do any of this shit, you know? Like that was not his biological kid. Like he could have just um, let it happen and, you know, just kind of chalk it up to, well, not my department, not my decision. But instead, he decided to essentially make himself a target for uh, for this little girl who he ended up loving as his own child. And spoiler alert, uh, in the end, ends up getting killed for it. So I'm definitely going to put Eric from Hannah 
uh, for my number seven slot. And I know that, uh, Brittany, you haven't seen it yet, but just kind of from, like, what I've described, if you want to maybe share some thoughts or anything like that, and does it seem like something that you would want to even watch? I'm definitely, you know I'm a sucker, like, for, like, these father-daughter relationships, especially when they're not even related. Like, I think, like, that was even how we met with, like, stories like that. So it's like, I'm a sucker for it. And I think I would want to watch it. It makes me think of, like, uh, almost like Logan, you know, with the little girl and, like, I was going to say it is very much like Logan. They definitely go in that direction. Like, if you know the plot of the movie Logan, you essentially know the plot of the show Hannah. Because it's the thought of someone, you know, the experimentation, you know, discontinuing it, going to get rid of all the children, and then, like, oh, one escapes, like, because the scientist or, you know, like, the nurse loved her, you know, tries to get her a better life, and then she dies, and Logan dies, so it's kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, no, I love it, though, and you know we love some Joel Kennedy. Well, yeah, I mean, and he, no, and he's absolutely amazing in this series. Like, if there's one thing that you got to say about Joel, I'm not sure. I don't think he's a black belt. I could be wrong, but he definitely has one of his belts in martial arts. I mean, he's posting it all the time on, like, Instagram. So the guy obviously has, like, you know, he's really good at his stunts and his fighting scenes. I think that they're, like, really awesome pretty much. So I think that, um, yeah, definitely that uh, I want to put um, on the list because it's just like that's who I'm choosing. But uh, before I go any further, uh, apparently we have Ryan on the line. Oh, snap. Hey, puppy daddy. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm on West 52nd. I got a bunch, got a bunch of bitches looking at me. Like, what up, Ryan? Ooh. How you doing? What's going on, Snickerdoodle? What's going on? Uh, we did not expect you for this podcast, but it's always a welcomed inclusion. How are you doing? I'm so sorry for this morning. You know how New York City fuckers get, man. There you go. There we go. Oh my God. <laughs> what did you say, Ryan? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not by Central Park right now and I'm definitely <laughs> not walking and talking and I'm definitely not sweating my ass off right now multitasking and trying to get to work talking and making sure I don't get hit by a car all at once. Gucci gang! <laughs> I was gonna say, Ryan always comes in like a freaking like typhoon. You're like, oh, everything's calm and happy and then boom, Ryan hits and you're like, oh, <laughs> man, check a what? It. I'm like the Rocket um, Podcast. Oh exactly. my god! Just not as, just not as sexy, or even as much. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm like an infantile rock with hair. I'll leave it at that. That's you're awesome. like other rock that could maybe actually act. I'm sorry, I love oh, the rock being oh, an awful oh, actor. Oh. We're throwing shade. Right, if we're throwing unpopular opinions out there. Men in Black International is pretty good. I don't know why everyone keeps giving it bad <laughs> ratings. If we're going with unpopular yeah. opinions right now. 
Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't seen Men in Black just yet, so that's going to be interesting. But uh, our own Paula uh, saw it, and she was not impressed. I, I didn't realize. Yeah, but so Ryan, are you here to uh, contribute to the podcast? Because um, you're on your way to I'll, work. I'll or? contribute one. I'll contribute one. What What was the top ten this weekend? I completely forgot. <laughs> well, this will be Top ten father figures or dads and TV shows or movies. Did you Thank say you. top ten action figures? No. no. <laughs> father figures. Father figures. Oh, dads. father figures. Oh, I think action dads. figures. I'm like shit. I don't know anything about action figures. Oh man. No. All right. Top I ten. Know that. Who'd you guys choose already? Who'd you guys choose already? All right, so we already chose uh, Hal, uh, Brian Cranston's character from Malcolm in the Middle, the Hound from Game of Thrones, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, and Eric Ooh. from and Eric from the Amazon Prime show Hannah. So that's our list so far. So if you want to shoot out uh, your number six, uh, if you have someone on the top of your head or something, you are more than welcome. My All right, boys. I'm smacking you with the good one. Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Boom. Done and said. Father figure of the year. Bro, this guy has been knocked the fuck out for nine months, and he's still trying to find his kids. And I'm not going to question how he found him so fast because of plot coincidences, but he's a dedicated man. He wants to find his son. Now, yes, he might have gotten him shot in the face. Oh, well, we all make mistakes as parents. I mean, not as drastic as that. And getting bit by Walker, but it's fine. This dude did everything to keep Carl safe. He didn't do enough, but he did enough at the same time. So I give this man credit. Holy shit, it is muggy outside. So talking this fast is making me lose a few pounds right now. Anyway, <laughs> like I was saying, this dude was like the mother, the mother cub for Drake Grimes. And can we not? Ignore the fact that he took in Shane, Shane and Lori's child, too, and made it his own. And now Judith is a badass little nine-year-old with that magnum. And she's like, what's up, motherfucker? And she really, oh, man, I'm out of breath. And she really knows how to really fuck him up, especially in The Walking Dead now. And I can't wait for season 10, unpopular opinion edition of this podcast. I love it. I love it, right? Uh, you know, I would never really consider Rick Grimes like a good father, but you definitely uh, have put that spin for me just because it's like, um, as you said, as soon as he wakes up, the first thing he wants to do is go see his family. And he did try. He did try his best. Um, whew, it is loud out there, Ryan. It is loud. I know. After you're done talking, I'm a. I'm going to call Chris and be like, peace, bitches. <laughs> it's hot well, as hell, you know, too. Well, you know, I'm going to pass it along to Brittany and ask her what she thinks about Rick Grimes uh, being uh, on the top ten list for dad figures. Uh, dad, not dad figures. Dad. No, thank you, sir. I was going to say, with, like, the unpopular opinion, it's got to, like, I, what's funny is, like, I get it with ever uh, Rick Grimes, so, like, at the beginning, he started as a great dad, you know, but then again, you know, him and Lori oh, did have dream. trouble right before that they were doing stuff, 
but he did say like he didn't like it because he was like, oh, I don't want her to say that in front of our son. So I'm good on that. And then like, oh yeah, waking up and like instantly go trying to find his kid and his wife and everything. But I also equally would have put him on a top 10 worst dad list at the same aspect because some of the shit he's done later on in the series. But besides that, if we're going off of season one where it grinds, I would put him on this list. That's, that's why I came on the show. All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastical day. And if I have to come back on the podcast, which I won't, just let me know. Peace. All right, see you. <laughs> So, so random, but you know what? That's why we—that's why we love Ryan because that's just uh, that's just how he is. I. <laughs> I'm still like reeling, and where I'm like, what, did that really just happen? Uh, am I having a fever dream of like you know when you go to school with in just your underwear type thing? Except it's just Ryan crashing the podcast in loud-ass New York City by Central Park walking while people are asking him, uh, you want something of this? And he's like, oh, no, 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 thanks. And I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) You know what, though? It's all good. That has happened before. Like, there's been a few shows where, like, Juwan hops on for, like, one, and then he's like, oh, wait, shit, I got to go. And it's like, all right, thank you for the contribution. Um, but I did want to say, actually, going a little bit further into the Rick Grimes thing for just one second. Um, the thing is, like, with Rick Grimes, it's like, as you said, I would probably put him on the list for worst dads. But to be <laughs> fair, to be fair, you know, he did love Carl. I know that he loved Carl. I just think that Rick just really at first did not know how to, like, find his, like, you know, his, like, uh, what's it called, his footing um, in Man. the zombie apocalypse just because, you know, everyone else kind of, like, got to see it firsthand and, like, adjust to it, and he just kind of, like, woke up into the middle of it. And then, obviously, he was dealing with the fact that his best friend Shane was, you know, screwing his wife. Um, but, you know, you find out later that he obviously knows that Judith is not his biologically, and it didn't matter. Um, he still loves Judith, uh, you know, with all his heart and did what he could to try to, you know, raise her properly. And then um, him and uh, Michonne, I believe, because I haven't really watched The Walking Dead lately, but I believe that him and Michonne had their own child as well. So, you know, he's got his kitties out there. Uh, unfortunately, Carl is dead. But uh, if anything, that's not Rick Grimes' fault. That's uh, the people behind the show's fault because there was no reason that Carl should have died at all. He's not dead in the comics. They just decided to do that for the show. Um, even the actors were confused about that. So that's what I got to say about it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Brittany, I'm going to – oh, sorry, no. Did you have something else uh, that you wanted to say? Uh, I was just still laughing that, uh, over everything that happened, and it's like, let me throw Rick Grimes at you, the one person you wouldn't have thought to put on this list, and that's exactly what he wanted. He just wanted to, like, shake it up. That is Ryan for you, but you know what? I, he is a great contributor for Geek Guys Nation and always uh, has a 110% um uh, excitement level, you know what I'm saying? I feel it, girl. I feel it. 
You feel it? You feel it here? Oh, my God, what's going on with my computer right now? Of course something is happening in the middle of our podcast. (gasps) He he cursed us. We love Ryan, and Ryan's amazing, but he cursed us. He just likes to shake it up. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. I think we're okay, guys. (gasps) Time to have a heart attack this early in the morning. We're good, guys. We're good. Everything's fine. Everything is okay now. I'm going to stop talking. Brittany, get the number five slot here. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of the way because I've been sitting on this one, and you're going to laugh. But for me, I'm going to go with Optimus Oh my god, I thought you were gonna go Negan. I was like, if you do Negan here. I mean I could have. If I would have thought good and hard about it, I might because I'm in Carl. But uh no, Optimus Prime because like growing up, even like with the eighties series, Optimus has always been this father figure to everybody. He's the leader. Even when there's humans, like, you know, there's always, like, the humans, and he always daddies them. He's always, like, here's these really thoughtful life lessons, let me protect you. And even, like, through every series I've ever watched, there's always some younger Autobot that he just takes care of. He tries to mentor them. Or even if, like, like uh, even in Transformers Armada, which I don't think you watched that one, when Starscream flips sides and everything, Optimus is very skeptical of, at him at first, but he ultimately takes him under his wing. He tells Megatron, hey, you treat Starscream like shit. And to me, even though he's a giant transforming robot, which we won't discuss, he still, like, even through the 80s, puts those really nice, like, life lessons, and even, like, growing up, I... Like, as the little kid, I was like, oh, I look up to Optimus so much because he's, like, this super wise uh, billions of years old uh, uh, robot. So, yeah, you may laugh at me, but I thought he was a great father figure, especially, like, there was a kid in the 80s that was so distraught over Optimus Prime's death during the G1 movie that he locked himself in his room and wouldn't come out for, like, days. Was that kid you? Let's admit no, I'm not. I, I'm 25, Tia. I wasn't born in the 80s when that came out. I'm just saying, you watched it when you were, you know, younger, and you're like, I'm so upset. Let me go to my room. I was going to say, I watched the G1 movie when I was older, and I think my biggest shock was that, for some reason, never in the show, never in the show, like, I'm just thinking about a comic. Brittany, you're, you're, you, like, went all distance there with your voice and shit like that. Can you hear me now? I can. All right. What I was saying was is I watched the G1 movie when I was older and everything, and that the one thing that shocked me was that they're cursing. It, all through the movie, they're like, shit, damn. And I'm like, and the, my kid brain was like, what? How? <laughs> Who? They can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, no. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna accept it. You know, my uh, my Transformers days may have come and gone, but uh, Optimus Prime was a great character. He's the pinnacle, essentially, for the Transformers universe here. Um, and it's something about like the actor's voice. Like it just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside and even in the movies you know he's just trying to help the humans help his 
fellow Autobots there. So I think that, you know, this was uh, a good choice to kind of put in. I know that uh, since I've taken over the top ten, I probably don't do, like, cartoons or anything, uh, probably the way uh, some fans do. I always say if someone wants to do something like that, you know, I'll just kind of be like the moderator in that case. But, uh, yeah, no, I think Office Prime is a great uh great choice um you know Brittany, are you excited to like you know because i know that uh bumblebee the movie really kind of sparked um more excitement for the transformers after the debacle of some of the prior movies do you think that after this we're gonna kind of see this like uh explosion of just better uh transformers movies I really, really hope so, because even, like, for for me, you know, it's like, I love Transformers. Every, like, English DVD set of, like, any Transformers thing, that like, series that they made, I own it on DVD. I love Transformers. And what was hard is, like, the last good show was, like, Transformers Prime, and then, you know, they went with a more child-oriented TV show after Prime that I couldn't really get into because, you know, they did the weird, like, you know, and, like, the characters have those clunky, like, overly animated type shows. Yeah. I was like, man, I was like, and then all I was getting is these awful movies that just went downhill, which I I enjoyed the first Transformers movie, and I was just so excited as a kid that there was just a freaking live-action Transformer movie that you can even ask my mom. I would, like, sit there and, like, almost have, like, a freaking, like, panic attack over every time. Like, the first time I saw this, I was sitting at the theater, and they and I, you know, it was before we had a computer, really, even though, you know, it was, like, later on we didn't have a computer. I couldn't, I didn't have any way of seeing, like, oh, my God, there's going to be a Transformer movie coming out, you know, and, like, my heart nearly stopped. So I loved it, but then it's just, like, bad movie after bad movie after bad movie. And when I saw Bumblebee, I was like, Man, I was like, I'm not ready to be hurt again. And then I saw Michael <laughs> Bay was wasn't doing it, and I was like, Oh my god! And then like everything you could like, actually recognize the characters, because that was my big thing. Is like I love these characters. I can recognize what they look like. So whenever I'm like seeing characters, and I'm like, Who the hell is that? I've never seen them. They're like, Oh, it's Hot Rod. And I'm like, No, no, no. <laughs> so, uh, like and so Bumblebee going back to the more like where you could tell like kind of that G1 aesthetic especially for Bumblebee being the Volkswagen I was just like my childhood is coming back <laughs> I can see it in all its glory and you know what it's Father's Day and uh, the child's joy is what you know I think every parent looks for so if it made you revisit your childhood then there you go Perfect choice. But, um, all right, so number five was uh, Optimus Prime, and I am going to jump into the number four. I kind of am okay. Uh, not kind of, that sounds bad, but I'm actually happy that Ryan uh, jumped on because I had, like, three other choices, and one of them I didn't necessarily want to use because it was too similar to one of my other choices. So it actually did did well for me here. So, um, I'm going to kind of go into, I guess, the uh, superhero superhero realm. Can't talk this morning, apparently. Um, and I'm going to put Scott Lang from Ant-Man. 
because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, if you think about it, right, because I know that we had uh, Hawkeye in Age of Ultron, but Scott Lang is just really just like, you know, we got this movie and it really was just like a family movie, right? We saw that he was a father first, essentially. I mean, he couldn't wait to get back to his kids once he got out of prison, and despite the fact that his mother, uh, not his mother, uh, his kid's mother, his ex, didn't necessarily want him around and that she had remarried, he was just wanting to be in Cassie's life. And that is just his, like, lifeline. He's just such an amazing dad. All he looked was to make her laugh. I mean, obviously, uh, in the first movie when uh, Darren Cross, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket, um, was essentially uh, threatening to hurt his daughter, that you could just see, like, he was just willing to do anything to protect her. And uh, we see in the second Ant-Man just how amazing of a daddy is. I mean, he built this, like, massive, uh, like, not fort, but this, you know, this this thing in his house. Like, kind of like, yeah, yeah, to, like, entertain his kid with. You know, even though he was on house arrest and he couldn't, go to say the park with her he still wanted to have fun with her even in the house so I just thought that was amazing and then in oh my god and then in Avengers Endgame when he gets back from the quantum realm and obviously finding his daughter is just priority number one for him and someone points out because I was super happy that they, you know, connected again. You saw at the end of Endgame, him and Hope and Cassie are just a family, and that was so wonderful to see. But then someone pointed out that he obviously lost five years of being with her. Um, And that was super sad. I was like, oh, man, I didn't even, like, factor that in. That's, like, terrible. He lost five years with her, and obviously she had to – I don't know – I can't remember. I don't know if her – her mother and stepfather survived the snap, but obviously if if they didn't, then she was alone during that and he couldn't be there for her. But he is just like a fantastic example of a father and one of the like most endearing aspects of the MCU is uh, Ant-Man and his relationship with his daughter. And I really do hope that in the future, now that they've kind of done the five-year skip ahead, and she's a little older, that we can get her into a costume. Because she even said in the second movie, you know, like, what about me? I want a costume. So that would be great. Uh, Brittany, what are your thoughts on uh, Scott Lang uh, being just one of the best dads out there? I was going to say, like, he's he, he the best. He's the best. Because I was sitting there, and the first thing I thought of is, like, whenever you said, started talking about it, I was like, about how like sad it was when he did go to his daughter and he found her and you just tell you like because at first you're just like oh I guess I, I remember looking at her and I was like oh she's gonna be five years older she's gonna be five years older and I'm opening the door like you know how would you feel like she was so young at that point where that was like his little girl he could still pick her up you know have fun with and it's like now it's like you know, she's a young woman by this point. That would be terrifying as a parent, too, where you feel like all these years you can't get back. And especially how he probably felt like 
whenever, you know, he went to prison and he spent time there and having to come back later on in his daughter's life. It probably felt like that all over again. But, you know, he is a great dad because even his whole thing of wanting to get out of prison was cause just because he wanted to see his daughter and he wanted to get a job so that he could, like, do things the right way. Because I think even him going to jail was, like, not in a bad way. It did, I can't remember why he went to prison in the first place. Was it because he did something that was to help people, like like a very Robin Hood mood mode type thing? He, I I would say it was pretty much a uh, Robin Hood move. He pretty much uh, exposed this uh, big wealthy company and returned the money that they were essentially essentially they were stealing from people. And then he broke the law by essentially cracking into their code and returning that money. So he spent three years in prison for just uh, doing the right thing, but unfortunately the law didn't see it that way. And it's like as soon as he came back, he tried to put together a job, make things great, and it was like, and who was it all for? And it was for his daughter because probably if it was just him, he'd just go be a bum somewhere. Yeah, and um, I loved in the first movie when he gives her that one toy that's like, it is, it is, can't talk today. Oh my God, it's hideous, right? And the mother is like, oh my God, you know, how could you get that? And the daughter just was like, oh my God, it's so ugly. I love it. And it's just oh my so God. <laughs> I was going to say, that shows him being a good dad, because even though she grew up to be a great, you know, young woman or girl, by her, you know, like, even with him gone, though, it's like, I feel like he has a lot to do with her being such a sweet, you know, person, and I think, you know, she has a lot of her dad's aspects in that. It's like, yeah, he may not have always been the best person, but he's a great dad. I loved it, and, like, Ant-Man obviously was one of my favorite movies in the MCU and he's certainly one of my favorite characters so I had when I was um thinking of this list he was one of the first that I said oh I gotta put him on because Scott Lang is just a fantastic uh dad figure um in any like uh movie or tv show so yeah uh Scott Lang and I'm hoping that we get a third uh, Ant-Man movie so that we can kind of see this continue and maybe at the end of the movie they'll reveal a costume for her similar to how they did in the first Ant-Man when uh, Hope um, you know got her first costume which I will say an honorable mention I think that Hank Pym was also a good dad even though him and Hope uh, obviously had their problems at first I think that everything he did was for the safety of his daughter. Maybe he was a little closed off at times and he, you know, did things that didn't necessarily make sense to Hope, but it was all essentially for Hope in the end. And he he got her uh, costume as well. So, yeah, definitely number four, Scott Lang. Uh, Brittany, what's your number three? I like sitting there and I'm going to go – I know it's going to sound a little funny, and it's going to go along with, like, the Game of Thrones route, but I think I'm going to go with Ned Stark. And the reason why, right, I'm going to go with Ned Stark, because one, you have where it goes back to Arya, 
You know, he knew that she didn't want to be a lady. He knew that, you know, she didn't find the girl things interesting. So what does he do? He gets her a sword teacher or like a dance teacher. I don't remember how they spun that again. But it's Not like, a dance you know, teacher. and it's like, even like Jon Snow and stuff, it's like he raised him as his own to make sure that Baratheon, like uh, Robert Baratheon wouldn't kill him. You know, he made these sacrifices. He made himself look like the cheater, you know, to have a bastard child. It's like he was good with, he was good with all of his sons and everything he did. It's like, I'm trying to think of how far to, to explain it because it's kind of like it explains itself in that aspect, but it's like he was supposed to be like the ultimate good in the show, you know, and he was always good with his children and then, you know, he does have a very tragic ending. But I don't know, I was just, like, sitting there, I was like, I think Ned Stark was a great father in his own right, way, whenever it's, like, you have people, you know, even though he married off Sansa, it was what she wanted. She wanted to be married to Joffrey at first, because she was like, oh, she wanted to be the queen, you know, the lady, you know, and he gave her what she wanted, even if he had had, like, his misgivings about it. You know, it's like, oh, joining the Baratheon and the Stark family, but, you know, it's like in a place where people were marrying off their children super young and trying to just get claim. It's like he didn't necessarily want anything from it. He just wanted Sansa to have a good life. Obviously, he didn't realize how messed up Joffrey was about it. But, you know, ultimately, it's like he was, I thought, for especially Game of Thrones level, he was a great dad. You know, what the most important thing was that he taught all of his children honor. And that's something that we see throughout the season. And not, I'm sorry, not throughout the season, throughout the series. And one of the number one things that people pointed out, especially say in season eight, was that uh, while Daenerys would have been perfectly fine, obviously keeping the secret that John was a Targaryen, John couldn't do that because. He didn't lie. He didn't keep secrets because he had honor to him, and that was something that was ingrained through Ned Stark, and he absolutely loved his children. I mean, obviously, uh, especially during that time, there was that whole, you know, men's roles, women's roles, so Arya not wanting to be a lady Obviously, it wasn't something that he expected, but he understood that that wasn't her. And he got her the quote-unquote dancing teacher, and he, you know, wanted to at least, uh, instead of forcing her to be something that she didn't want, he then got her what she did want. And as you said, Sansa um, wanted to be the queen. She wanted to marry Joffrey, so he agreed to let that happen. And he's always doing things for honor. You know, the king asked him to be the hand, and he left and went to go be the hand. But towards the end, um, he wanted to get his two children out of King's Landing because he saw how uh, nuclear it was becoming. And um, even though there's this one scene where Ned and Varys are talking, and as Ned is essentially saying, you think I care so much about my life, I'm not going to sit up there and lie and, you know, do this and that just to spare myself because Varys was trying to convince him, like, hey, you know, just go up there, say you're a traitor, 
say that you essentially didn't know what you were talking about when you said that Joffrey wasn't a Baratheon and yada yada, it'll spare your life. And he's like, what do I care about my life? And then Varys is like, well, but what about the lives of your children? And he realizes that if he decides to keep being stubborn, that it's going to put Sansa and Arya in direct uh, danger. So he gets up there and says that he's a traitor and says that Joffrey is the one true king because he believes that it's going to save his daughters. In the end, it ended up killing him. But I do think that Ned Stark was a good father. I don't think that there was much on the contrary. Um, maybe, you know, I just think uh, in Game of Thrones, like, retrospect, that he was a good dad. He really was. And he tried with John. you know? Like, as you said, it, he made himself look like the cheater so that he could save his sister's child and raise John as his own. Obviously, John went through his own things because he was, quote-unquote, the bastard, and Catelyn just could never get over that. And in, if anything, even Theon says that Ned Stark was much more of a father figure to him than his own father. And even though he brought Theon in essentially as a prisoner, he, um, he, uh, he, he raised Theon. He could have kept him in a dungeon this whole time. He could have did this, but he gave Theon essentially the same opportunities that he gave everyone else of, you know, anyone else of his children. So I think that Ned Stark was a great choice for the number three. And of course, I'm always happy to talk Game of Thrones in length <laughs> with you. <laughs> I was going to say too, um, I think it was, I didn't exactly put it, like put it together but, you know, first we're walking, watching everything. I think Aaron said it. He's like, you know, one thing that John will do because Ned taught him is it's like it's a, it's like executing someone with your own hands. Like you you do it yourself. And when I think of spoiler alert, John killing Daenerys by his own hand was reminiscent back to when Ned taught John about, you know, when he, like, kills that guy with a sword to, like, put it through to him, like, oh, it's, you know, about honor and duty and everything. I think that was very telling for the ending of John, like, killing Daenerys by his own hand. Well, Ned um, taught him that if you're going to execute someone, it might it might as well be you doing the execution, you know, it, you can't have someone else do it. And John did, uh, you know, stay true to that throughout the series. There's a uh, scene when he's at Castle Black and there's one guy that he sentences to death and he does it himself because that's what Ned Stark uh, taught him. He said, you at least owe them that much. And the lessons that even though Ned was only in the first season, of Game of Thrones, his lessons bled out to the rest of the series with all of his children. So, yeah. Whew. Brittany, great choice with Ned Stark being the number three on this top ten list for best dads in movies and TV oh, shows. We're, re- <laughs> we're really trucking along here. So, um, I guess I'm going to take the number two spot. It's my last spot, and I'm Frankly, very uh, proud of this. Uh, oh, Tia. Tia. I, I knew it was 
notes and then you just throw that in. <laughs> so predictable and so, so predictable. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so oh, but yeah. So obviously my number two is going to be Frank Castle. Um, because why not? Um <laughs> You know, obviously, RIP to the Marvel Defenders universe. I haven't uh, started watching Jessica Jones season three just yet. Um, I'll get to it eventually. There's just not as much of a as a drive for me to watch it, but that's not the case. That's not the point here. Uh, the first time yeah. we see Frank, <laughs> the first time we see Frank Castle is in Daredevil season two. And obviously he's shooting up a hospital at that point, but you find out you find out very quickly uh, in the fourth episode that he's doing all of this because he lost his family, he lost his uh, his two children, he lost his wife, and he has that really just emotional monologue in the uh, end of the fourth episode where he's talking about uh, just how he came home from war and his daughter hugged him so tight he felt like he could bust a rib right there. And he's talking about how uh, his, you know, he's talking about his children and all that. He's talking about how he couldn't, you know, play ball with his son, that he couldn't read his daughter a bedtime story, and that obviously just is weighing so hard on his soul. And then that scene where he's in the hospital and Karen is talking with him for the first time and he's talking about how his son used to like to play soldier and hide things and underneath a piano and he'd always find like cookie crumbs and stuff like that. And you could just see like the joy and like memories of his children were just so like ingrained in him and obviously throughout both the first and second season of the Punisher he's just having these flashbacks of his kids he's talking about his kids and he uh everything is just that he loved his children so much and obviously feels just such extreme pain for their loss and then guilt um once he finds out you know the truth of why they were taken from him and just if you could see that, like, everything about Frank Castle is just trying to essentially get revenge for the people who, you know, against the people who took away the things that were most precious in his life. I mean, you could just tell, like, being a father was just something that he loved and took extreme pride in. And obviously there was just, he feels just not enough time for it, but um, and now it's just popping in my head. I should obviously um, mention in the second season we got him with. Oh my God, what was her name again? <gasps> I don't remember. That sucks. I'm gonna look it up as I'm talking right now. But you know, he he meets this girl in the second season of The Punisher, and they obviously have that little bit of like a rough go when it comes to it because you know she's like a grifter pretty much but he just takes like her under his wing um because uh, her name is Amy god how could I forget that um, oh I just say Amy and I was like that ain't right no Amy 
Um, he obviously takes Amy under his wing, and he is doing everything to protect her, just to save her and get her out of this life that she is in and the people who are trying to hurt her. And I, there's even a scene, I forget which episode it is, but he's pretty much like, I love this girl. I will do anything for this girl. Like, don't get in my freaking way because if it involves her, there's going to be no stopping me. And that was just like a testament to how much Frank Castle cares about people and how much, uh, you know, he just obviously looks at these kids and just, just wants to do the best. And then we have in season one of the Punisher with Micro's kids, how he obviously gravitates towards the children and, uh, you know, interacting with the daughter, they're, you know, fixing things together. He's like obviously showing her kind of how to, you know, change a light in a car. And even though the son was a little bit of a shit at some point when he finds out how much. (laughs) But when he finds out how much pain the son is harboring, what does he do? He just brings him into his arms and he wants to do anything for those kids to the point where, you know, he gives himself up just so that that family can be whole and they can be safe. So, I mean, there's just so many examples of like Frank Castle just being an amazing freaking dad. I mean, to his, you know, to his own children, to uh, Micro's children, to Amy. So like, to me, when I was thinking about this list and where to put everyone, I knew that my last go-around had to be Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. So, Brittany, you knew that I was going to put it down, and I gave it away with that, frankly, uh, you know, throw out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to so, say, I was like, if Tina doesn't say Frank Castle, I am taking that shit. And then the moment I heard, frankly, I was like, oh, Tia, no. <laughs> No, I love it. I was take it away. Take it away, Brittany. <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank he, he starts his whole campaign, as you said, about what drives him. His family got killed. His children got killed. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go kill hundreds of people. But I don't know if it ever gets to 100. But it is well over 100. Getting close to 200 at this point. Of how oh, many yeah. people he killed and this whole thing of like getting rid of bad guys so that partially so it never happens to other families again he's like oh you know when he's telling red he's like oh when you knock them down they get back up when i knock them down they never get up and i'm like ooh, that's messed up but i agree (laughs) but um no it's like every like child that comes into his life he just super daddies them he's like let me teach you life lessons let me protect you you sweet cinnamon roll and it's like what do we used to call free castle we call him a stale cinnamon roll one that's like hard and dried up and would bounce off the floor if you dropped it but still a cinnamon roll all the same but i i love it because especially with like amy even though amy was such a little shit at the beginning What's he do? He protects her, even if he she doesn't want to be protected. He's like, this is how it's going down. And uh, but it's like he does show his soft side. It's like he is very protective. He wants to, uh, and even he admits he's like, you know, 
how he felt such guilt about not doing things with his children right about when he first came in and how he was rough on his son. And he's just like, and I think it takes a good dad to be able to admit when, you know, because people aren't perfect. They're, you know, a lot of dads will say they have regrets. They're like, I wish I hadn't done X, Y, and Z. I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't taught him that. And it's like he's able to recognize when he doesn't feel particularly good about how he was with his children at times. And I just find it very tragic. But he's the ultimate daddy. It's like, even though I know I have number one, I'm like hoping we can switch them because I feel like mine doesn't hold to it. I just like, I I feel like Frank Castle should be first. It's just like, you know, I feel like Amy, he, he, I think there's probably at times he was even like add a girl to her. Like he threw out a few add a girls, you know, and uh, just the emotions between them. And I know that, Amy wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but you can't deny that he took that girl in and just really loved her to the point where he insisted, like, you should go. Like, you know, go live your life. Don't be here. Don't be with me. Don't, you know, follow me. you got to go and do your own thing. And um, as far as, like, the regrets, I mean, we got – a lot of examples um, in his own seeds, in his own series that he had a lot of regrets with his son. You know, that one story that he told about how he came home from one of the tours and his son was drawing all over the walls and he, you know, took his son outside and he like kind of essentially got him on the ground and was like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I'm just trying to be like you, daddy. I'm just trying to protect the girls here and it's like oh god and he's like realizing like this is you know what I'm teaching my children this is like you know my legacy essentially and I'm getting angry at him and these are the memories that my kids are you know that they had before they died of me you know and that's just like so effing like tragic there and I was just like oh my god like Screw you, Netflix, first of all, for canceling these goddamn shows and not giving you Oh, no. Oh, no. She's going on the Netflix rant. Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I'm just not that excited about Jessica Jones season three. Like, I want to watch it. There's, you know, everything in me is like, yes, I obviously want to watch it because it is the last. It is, you know, and I did like Jessica Jones. I didn't really like season two. So I'm like, eh. But it's like, uh, and I'm not going to get too much on this. I'm just saying that Frank Castle, throughout, you know, the time that we saw him on Daredevil and throughout the time that we saw him on The Punisher, one of the big common threads was just him caring for kids, pretty much. And that's all I'm going to say on it. So Frank Castle, uh, John Bernthal, Frank Castle will always have that special place in my heart. I don't care. You know, if it's like 10 years from now. Celine Dion, your heart will go on. (laughs) You know, hopefully in a few years, Hulu will pick up these shows and the actors will all be available um, to reprise their roles. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for that shit. Oh, honorable mention. I don't know why I just thought about this, but as we know, um, in Iron Fist Season 2, Ward Meacham was going to be a father. We'll never see that happen because, you know, obviously it was canceled. Uh, but the actor, Tom Pelfrey, just got nabbed for a uh, role in the next season of Netflix's show Ozark. 
So guess who has to get into Ozark now, guys? Me. Oh, no. Oh, no. You you saw what I did there in that transition. I was like, Ward Meacham. Um, Humphrey, uh, Father's Day, but uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're like you're like that kid that connects dots that don't really like connect. And he's like, isn't the pretty picture pretty? I want to say one last thing uh, about Tom Pelfrey, by the way, because he's dating uh, Jamie Alexander, who played uh, Lady Sif in the Thor movies. I don't know if you knew that, but um, they've been not your friend, for- of course. I knew that. Oh, my God. So they've been dating for a little while. So, hey, guys, get on that uh, train of making babies here, right? But, um, <laughs> Jeez, you sound like my mother. Well, no, we, we talk about that off air, guys. But um, <laughs> we have the top ten here, and we're down to the number one. So, as always, I'm going to name off what we've picked already. Uh, number ten is Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. Number nine is The Hound from Game of Thrones. Number eight is Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. Number seven is Eric from Hannah. Number six is Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Number five is Optimus Prime from Transformers. Number four is Scott Lang from Ant-Man. Number three is Ned Stark from uh, Game of Thrones. Number two is Frank Castle from Daredevil slash The Punisher. And Brittany... I present to you the number one slot. Well, now I just feel embarrassed because you come from Frank Castle, who literally killed like <laughs> a shit ton of people just because his kids died, not just because. Okay, don't laugh at me. Actually, you're going to laugh. It's okay. But we can swap them. I freaking love Bob Belcher from Bob's Burger. Yeah, like, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me interrupt you for one hot second. We are not switching because absolutely Bob Belcher deserves to be number one here. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you were thinking about it. He has this burger joint, and it's like, even though it's selling, you know, he wants to give his, good, his kids a good life. And instead of, like, you think about his past where it's like his dad didn't let him be creative. It's like, oh, make the same burger, you know, and stifled his creativity. And that was the whole reason. Even though his dad's place was so popular, so big, everybody talked about his dad. He wanted his own burger joint to make his own creativity. And never once does he truly ever stifle his children's creativity. He lets them do whatever they want. And, like, you think about it. He, even though he could make them, like, all summer just work in the burger joint and, like, oh, help make money, help do this, help do that, he lets them run off and do things. They he, they hardly, well, they get told no a lot, but, you know, they normally do it. It's like nothing's ever, like, too extreme. He normally teaches a good life lesson. He's just doing this all for his freaking children. So it's like, I don't know. I just think he's just a great dad because it's like he always comes through for them. Like, even, like, what well, what's the whole reason he had to shave his mustache and it was, like, to do something for uh, for Tina? I'm trying to remember, like, he even shaves his freaking mustache just to, like, make her happy. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good dad to me, because even though he's kind of goofy, not exactly the best-looking dude, especially because, you know, it's a cartoon, but it's like, he, he does what he can, and that's all you can ask of a dad. Oh, my God. As you were talking, I was, like, writing down a bunch of, like, examples of why he's an amazing dad. 
Um, so he shaved off his mustache because Tina really wanted Jimmy Jr. to come to her birthday party, but uh, Jimmy Jr.'s father said that his son could not go to the birthday party unless Bob shaved his mustache off. And by the way, Bob got a second job driving a cab to pay for Tina's birthday party. Um, Bob gets his legs waxed for Tina because she's so scared to do it on her own. And when Gene gets jealous and wants to get his legs waxed, he goes back and takes Gene to get his legs waxed. Um, He fires his kids from the uh, burger joint so that they can enjoy a summer because he remembers that his father never let him have fun and he didn't want to be the same sort of dad because he has this moment where he's like, get back to work, kids. And he thinks about how that's always what his father would yell at him, like, stop having fun, get back to work, you know? Um, When Tina crashes their car into another car, he takes the rap for her. there's a moment where he has this like garden and he's saying about how he loves his, like, you know, um, that he loves his garden and that they're his babies. And he realizes that he's saying it in front of Louise. And he's like, I'm saying this in front of my actual baby and nothing makes him happier than the realization that Louise might take over the family business one day. And there's that super cute flashback of Bob remembering when Tina was younger and on the horse carousel, and him just taking her to there. Oh, and one last example, because I'm just, like, overjoyed with this. Um, No, get it, girl, get it. The one episode where he keeps, uh, like, walking in his sleep and putting the turkey, the Thanksgiving turkey in the toilet is because he's having these, like, flashbacks of when he used to help Tina and all the other kids potty train. Because Linda even says, you potty trained all the kids. I didn't. So, yes, Bob Belcher is an amazing dad. (laughs) I was going to say, that's where it's like I said where I get flustered sometimes because I'm like, oh, I have all these reasons, and then I go to talk, and I'm like, ah, it's just, he's great. He's great because he's great. (laughs) The end. But, no, I I just watch it every time, and every time I'm like, God, he has the patience of a saint because look Mm. at these freaking kids freaking eugene especially actually actually i can't even say which one's the most wild because you have louise that you're just like jeez louise basically but uh i don't know i love it and i was just sitting there i was like who do to be number one i was like bob felcher is like ultimate daddy not in like the sexual daddy but he is daddy <laughs> he, he handles everything and it's like he works his ass off but it's like not for him. He just wants to give his kids a good life. Exactly. Like he is just like such a good father for them. Always like, you know, comes through in the end, does like some ridiculous shit just because of his children. And even though he can be disgruntled at times, he's just amazing. No, I'm so happy you put Bob Belcher as the number one when you're like, all right, you're like, you know, who's going to beat out Frank Castle? And I was like, no, no, this is a fantastic idea. Like, I'm not even going to, like, argue with you on this. Like, awesome. That was like the version of, no, no, you can stay. <laughs> that was a fantastic way to uh, wrap up the list. Um, I guess we should kind of say uh, you know, if you had any like honorable mentions there, Brittany? 
That's why I'm like looking. Let me look at my list real quick. I was trying to think. No, I think I ended up like getting everybody that I wanted. Um, I think. Um, oh, because I had a I can't remember his name now because I deleted the name off instead. But like uh, the the uncle from uh, Sweet Prince of Bel Air. Or oh Prince yeah, Bel-Air. he was a great. He was a great father figure. Um, I don't know if you knew this. Um, you probably did. And I don't know how true it is because, you know, you can't believe everything that you hear on the Internet. But I heard that that one scene where um, Will Smith's character, you know, was talking about how, like, his father didn't show up for something that he was supposed to, like, play it off cool and shit like that because that was his character. But because, like, Will Smith's dad in, like, real life had ran off, that he started getting super emotional. And the guy who plays the uncle just, like, hugged him. And that was, like, a completely, like, improvised scene. But they just Ooh. went with it. And that's, why, like, that's so beautiful. Um, the two honorable mentions I guess I have is uh, I was going to put uh, Wolverine Logan on this. But because we talked about Eric, I was like, it's so similar. Oh. We're just saying the same shit. Um, and then obviously my icon for this show was Joe West and Barry Allen from CW's The Flash because, uh, oh. Joe West, yeah, cause Joe West, uh, Joe West, uh, raised Barry, uh, you know, after Barry's father went to prison, his mother was killed. So, and you can see like they have a very much like a father son relationship. So I thought that that was, uh, like a good one to throw out there as well. So yeah, um, I think we have a great list here, Brittany. Um, celebrating the awesome dads in TV, movies, um, and you know cartoons, because what cartoons often do is they give a great uh, parallel, right, to real life. And yeah. I just absolutely love that Bob. Bob Belcher is number one here. It's so good. <laughs> I even like that. I was like, is gonna kill me because I've already said Optimus Prime, and I know that came out left field for her, and I was just like, oh no, oh no. I I actually love the episode where Bob like kind of uh, when they go to his father's restaurant because obviously the two of them don't have the best relationship. But when Bob kind of realizes that, like, his own father did trot, like, yes, his father was a very disgruntled person and very much like a hard ass, but his father did want his son to go into the family business with him. Like, I don't know if you saw that episode, but, like, when oh, Bob was, like... Oh, he's going to ask him to do, like, Bob and... I mean, like, something and son... Yeah, like Bob and son or something like that. And, like, Bob says no. And you can see, like, that obviously always, like, hurts the father. And then you find, and, like, Bob finds out shit about, like, his dad, like, the fact that he likes to go square dancing, which I thought was, like, hilarious. Um, And he's like, I didn't know that. And people were like, well, maybe if you took the time to, like, get to know your father more, you would know these things. But like, but so it's so sad that Bob gets made to feel like the bad guy in every situation. I know he's like, what the hell? But, he's like the um, punching bag. But he does everything for his family. He loves his wife. He loves his kids as much as uh, crazy little creatures that they are. You know, that's what he is. He's a he's a good dad. 
He's um, the best. He's the best. <laughs> but, you know, um, so we are probably going to end this show a little earlier, which uh, is no problem because, again, it is Father's Day. We both are probably going to go and get ready to actually do things for our dads um, today. So I have no problem with that. But, Brittany, while I have you on the line right now, where where can we find you and what should we expect, you know, going forward, you know? I was going to say, you can always find me at Brittany underscore Hegel, which you can find me about on Twitter or Instagram. But I was going to say is uh, I hope to be doing lots more podcasts. I am living the, the lazy life right now, so I very much enjoy just getting to talk and just, like, make people hear my voice, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> But besides that, yeah, just uh, find me there. You may find some silly stuff on uh, either the Instagram or Twitter every now and then. But I was going to say, um, do hope everybody has a happy Father's Day. I hope you have a good Father's Day, Tia, because it's kind of like you have, like, two fathers. Your grandpa's so fatherly. You got your father father. I was like, you lucky, girl. <laughs> and once upon a time, I had my great-grandfather, who was a very uh, – fantastic um influence on my life but um i don't know why i just thought of this really quick i was thinking like who would we do as like worst fathers right obviously rick rhymes would be on i don't know why (laughs) and then i don't know why i thought about um uh what you call it uh ed harris's character on westworld the man in black william was definitely yes (laughs) yes oh i'm trying to think of who else oh um Oh, Blaine's dad in oh. iZombie. Yes, which is so funny because I have iZombie playing in the background right now. Yes, oh, Blaine's, dad. <laughs> Blaine's dad from iZombie. Angus, was Angus was his name. Angus. He would 100% get, like, worst father of the freaking year award. He would probably be, like, number one there. Um, but... We're not going to focus on the negatives today just because it's Father's Day. But um, as for me, you can uh, find my content on gvnation.com. Actually, I believe that we are also moving into using geekvibesnation.com. So either way, it's going to reroute to the same page. Please go find me on Twitter uh, at tc underscore start. I'm tweeting all the time. got plenty of content there with our articles and stuff like that. Uh, super proud of a recent article that I did, which was uh, best uh, episodes from each uh, each season of Black Mirror. So make sure you go check that out. And obviously we do the top 10 every weekend. So everyone, thank you so much for listening in. And thank you for all those who are great fathers and those who are father figures um, who step in and care for kids that you know, may not biologically be yours, but they're still yours regardless. I think that obviously those people should be praised as well. So thank you, everyone, and thank you, Brittany, for joining me today, and happy Father's Day. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Peace out, guys.